One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, guys, this is part three of our uh, Wisdom-Filled Warrior series. And uh, today I want to emphasize the concept of uh, what Paul uses in the New Testament. He talks about the oracle of God in contrast to, to the conditions of the law. Okay, and those are two completely different things. The Old Testament was about the law of Moses, not hearing the voice, but following the routines, the rituals, um, and giving a dead sacrifice. And um, dead sacrifices, rituals, routines, and self-imposed giving of dead sacrifices cannot save you. That's why the Lord sent Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ was sent, the Holy Spirit was given in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and all the gifts were granted to men. Um, Paul talks about the central theme of those gifts functioning through you hearing the voice. He, He uses the term the oracle of God. Okay, And so following the voice is a central theme of life in the New Testament. Jesus was voice driven. He was not ritual driven. He knew what the law of Moses said. He knew what all the prophecies in the Old Testament said. But it it also says in the the Gospels, it says that Jesus came to fulfill the law and, and the prophets. Meaning he fulfilled what was prophesied in the coming of the Messiah. And he functioned not to, not, not in simply achieving the law although he lived a perfect life he was sinless the bible says he was sinless but he did it to restore the oracle the voice of god to the hearts of men that you no longer would function according to ritual and routines um, but you would hear the voice of the lord through dreams and visions that's that's joel chapter 2 and the outpouring of the spirit he promised that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. You will dream dreams, see visions, and you will prophesy. That's that's what Paul calls the oracle, uh, particularly in the book of Romans. And we're going to get into that here in a minute. Um, but um, just to kind of give you a little uh, testimony or example of um, how crucial it is to be in the right season, the right place, at the right time, with the right message for the people Um, The only way that you can possibly do that um, is through the voice of the Lord, through through a prayer life that hears the Lord, trusts the Lord, and is willing to obey and follow. No matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how impossible it sounds, I I got news for you. The Lord doesn't call people that that, uh, can do the impossible on their own. He calls the people to speak into their lives, to send them to do impossible things. That's the verification of the Lord, uh, that you are with the Lord, that, that, that you are aligned in purpose, intent, and it's a supernatural life. Um, amen? And so I've told this story before, but in the spring of, of this year, in the spring of 2021, um, even though the Lord sent me to Toledo to start uh, the school of the Holy Spirit and equip people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and do all the supernatural stuff we do. Um, you know, we got a bunch of pastors baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we got to a point where we matured um, a whole group of people in hearing the voice of the Lord um, who could contrast dead religion versus the supernatural call of God on people's lives. And so behind the scenes, I've, you know, I've been working with a few pastors. Um, and I believe that we're going to start the school back up in a different form in several different churches locally here. Um, but the Lord kind of put me on a hiatus, a mission season, so to speak. Uh, in the spring, he told me to stop the school 
um, around the end of February. He told me to stop the school. We stopped the school in mid-March. Um, and when I did that, he immediately started to speak to me about what he wanted me to do next. And he says, I want you to pray and ask to be sent to the woman at the well and the man of the Gadarene chained to the tombs. Um, so I didn't question the Lord. <laughs> okay, I've been through this enough. Um, I've, I've moved to four different cities um, through dreams and visions. He sends me to India and the other side of the world. He's woken me up, sent me to churches. He sent me to stand in front of CEOs and prophesy certain things and see men that make a million dollars weep like babies as the Lord um, spoke into their life. Okay. And so I trust and follow the Lord no matter what. And so when he told me to stop the school, was I disappointed? A little bit. But I know the Lord enough that there's always a bigger thing. There's always a different thing. There's always a new thing. Um, and there's always new relationships. And I would not trade this season for anything. Because he has sent me. When As soon as I started to um, pray and do what he told me to do, to ask to be sent to the demoniac chained at the tombs and to the woman at the well um you know in both of those circumstances the woman at the well went back and awakened the city to come meet jesus and in the other case the man chained to the tombs it says when he when jesus was finished casting the demons out of him it says he was clothed in the holy spirit and in his right mind he wanted to go with jesus and jesus said no you stay here and testify um, and when Jesus came back through in Mark 7, he comes back through that region and the whole region is waiting for Jesus. And Jesus preaches to the masses and supernatural signs, wonders with healings, casting out demons and all the supernatural stuff happened because Jesus went to find one man. And all these places that the Lord has sent me, um, Virginia, uh, New York, Kansas, um, California, Alabama, um, all these, all these different places in Ohio and Michigan that he's sent me, um, are all supernatural. I can't explain it. As soon as I started to pray these things, people start calling me and saying, Hey, um, I have like a group of 30 people and we're searching for the supernatural. Can you come? Hey, I read your book and oh my gosh, can you come? Right. And most of these, most of my, what I did in 2021, remarkably, was not with churches. It was with people in living room thirsting and hungering for the supernatural. And over um, this time, I mean, just supernatural deliverances. I mean, people dedicated to Satan at birth in uh, demonized tribes in Africa somehow end up in living rooms in Kansas City and and uh, we we basically break curses and the next thing you know the supernaturals poured out on a group of people and I mean I can't explain it I mean that has happened in every place where the Lord has sent me and um, just as an example um, I was in Redding California um, not to do anything with uh, the the church at Bethel really although I, I have done some ministry with different groups there um, but this guy who I ended up having lunch with a friend of one of the pastors that got baptized in the Holy Spirit in Toledo, he sits and he's weeping. Um, he literally, as I prophesied to him sitting over breakfast, he's weeping in the restaurant, wanting the Holy ghost. And, um, he happens to live in Redding, California. He doesn't go to Bethel church. Um, he lives about 30 miles South of the city. He organizes this meeting um, over Thanksgiving um, because my wife and I went out to see uh, our kids. Two, two of our kids are in ministry school at uh, Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry. Um, and so I agreed to meet about 40 people in the living room. And in this living room, there's all kind of denominations. There's Methodists, there's Baptists, there's Catholics, there's Lutherans. There's all these different denominations that have refused the Holy Spirit over the years. And these people that grew up in dead religious places. And so this guy asked me to come. I said, sure, absolutely. 
Um, so we go, and just this past weekend, um, man, it was supernatural. All I can tell you is the deliverer stepped into the room, um, and all this supernatural stuff happened. Uh, everybody in the room, um, basically, when I got there, there were like four people out of 40 that, that were baptized in the Holy Ghost and prayed in tongues. When I was finished, they all were shaking, weeping, praying in the Holy Ghost. And this one young man in particular, he, he was, he's about 21, 22 years old. He's a Lutheran kid, and he knows the Lord has called him in the ministry. Um, and he's actually been searching the Lord because in his denomination, they refuse the Holy Spirit. They actually don't embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and certainly not casting out demons. And so this kid has been studying, and um, I didn't know that. I called this kid out of the group. I start to prophesy to him. He he ends up, he's shaking on the ground. He literally laid and he immediately started praying in tongues as he's laying on the ground. And, um, you know, it was just supernatural. That opened the floodgates for the whole group. They're like, what's that? What's he praying? And so I ended up teaching based on what they were seeing after I prophesied over this kid. And it, it, it was real, right? Jesus stepped into the room. They're all shaking. They're all weeping. They're all praying in the Holy Ghost. There were, there were, there were probably five people that literally were out in the Holy Spirit, laying on the floor, um, in immense peace, and it was just amazing. And that's been the story of my life um, over this last year. Um, has really. Um, I'm just being obedient with these living room meetings and the Lord doing supernatural things, awakening people in different cities, not in traditional churches, but in living rooms. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? What? And, and I believe it's connected to this new book. Um, you know, literally, I sat down um, on October 29th and started to write this book. Um, and the, the title, everything about wisdom filled warriors and the awakening of the supernatural sons of God, it just, it just flowed out on paper. And, um, I just encourage you, um, as you're embracing this supernatural thing that, uh, literally becoming comfortable with the hunger and thirst for the presence of God and the voice of God, he will do things that, that church can't do. And people, unfortunately, are more connected to a church than they are to the Holy Spirit. And that's never what it was meant to be. It was supposed to be fluid. It's supposed to be supernatural. It's never supposed to be routine and consistent. And a church is a safe place. You go to the same building doing the same thing. Most of your services end up being uh, timed down to the minute. And no space for the Holy Spirit is given, let alone the gifts of the Spirit. And so the Lord is actually in this time of COVID, he's doing a supernatural thing where people are realizing the powerlessness of the systems that they were part of. And I'm just part of the awakening. Okay. I believe that we are in a season of supernatural awakening. You are going to see the time of, of David. You're going to see the time of Elijah. You're going to see the time of Moses and the new breed of warrior that the Lord is awakening in this hour to literally confront false theology, dead religion. And they're going to be so in tune with the voice of God that casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead, doing the supernatural is just that, that is what true Christianity is. That's what it's supposed to be. And it's all around being voice-driven, okay? And so, you know, I spent a lot of time over the years, uh, you know, people get filled with the Holy Ghost and they have a hard time wrapping their mind around some concepts about why do I struggle with depression? Why do I still feel oppressed? Why um, does sickness come on me? Why... Am I, uh, why do I still feel condemned? Okay. And, um, I want to, I want to spend some time in the book of Romans, um, really trying to reveal to you the contrast between the voice of God and the oracle and the, and the oracle and the peace of the presence of God versus the law of Moses and the conditions of the law. 
Because if you're still under the law, you will feel condemnation. If you are still under the law, you will because you have because you think you have to achieve the conditions of the law, you are subject to the demonic powers who use false theology to condemn, control, and keep people bound in sickness, disease, oppression, depression, and and, and the works, okay? And so it's important that you can kind of inventory yourself and recognize, oh my gosh, I've not simply received the freedom of Christ. I'm trying to work and earn for salvation. And there, and there, there is no working or earning of salvation, guys. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice. In the old covenant, they had to bring a dead sacrifice into a dead ritual that could not make them white as snow. It, it actually condemned them in sin. That's, that, that's the actual point of the law of Moses. In Exodus 20, the people were actually invited up the mountain to meet God face to face. And because they were bound in sin, they stayed at the bottom of the mountain and shook in fear. Instead of meeting and engaging the fire of the Holy Ghost, they trembled and shook in fear, which is a condition of the law. Okay, it's a condition of sin. It's a condition of being separated. And so when Jesus, when the prophecy of Jesus coming and Jesus fulfilling the law and the prophets, he was the living sacrifice. He was the he was the worthy sacrifice. He was the only thing that condemns sin and death in the flesh. He conquers it and he he descends into hell. He takes the keys of life and death. He actually takes, the, it says he took the keys of sin and death in, in Revelation uh, 1.18. And he ascends with life and death in his hand. Jesus Christ holds all authority. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus actually says, stay in the city. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm going to send the power of the Holy Ghost. And you will be restored to the presence of God, the oracle of God. And you will dwell where? you will dwell on Mount Zion. Okay? Why is that important? Because David, the King David was so in love with the presence of God that he set up Mount Zion, a place for the people to dwell in the presence of God. It's where all the Psalms and the hymns and the, pro, the gift of prophecy flowed like a river in Mount Zion. And the Lord is actually contrasting the mountain of sin that the nation of Israel could not ascend through condemnation of the law, right? That's the reflection of the law that Moses was given on the mountain. It condemned, it condemned the people in sin. And so the point of the law was that they fall on their face, realizing they need a savior. Who's the savior? The ultimate savior is Jesus Christ. What was the prophecy that Jesus Christ would come in? In the book of Amos, the Lord says in, in chapter nine, he says, I will restore the tabernacle, the tent of David that was torn down. The prophecy also says in, in Isaiah, um, in, in Isaiah uh, 2 that, that uh, the key of David would rest upon the shoulder of Christ and that Jesus Christ would not come as the son of Moses. He wouldn't come of anything under the law. He would come as the son of David. And so coming as the son of David, as the son of David, the, the restorer of the breach, the one who broke down the middle wall of separation through his living sacrifice on that cross, conquering sin and death and holding all keys of authority, restores man back to the presence of God that no longer do you feel condemned being separated from God because your thought process is that you still have to achieve the law of Moses. That's a lie, okay? That is the evidence of sin being present, present in you and the power of the demonic realm working through sin to deceive you in the background, okay? Jesus came to restore and give life. He came to give the Holy Spirit that you now would dwell where? Dwell in Zion, in the place of prophecy, dreams, visions, and encounters of heaven on earth. Not when the second coming comes, the second coming is a whole new era. In the era we live in now, you are restored to participate. As we talked last time in the book of Daniel, the vision that was given to Daniel 
in Daniel 7 was that judgment was rendered against Satan and instead of condemning all the demonic powers into the fire, that they were actually stayed. Why, why are they, why is the, why is the death sentence of the demon powers stayed? It stayed between the resurrection at the cross and the second coming so that you, as one who is baptized in the Holy Ghost and hears the voice of the Lord, can release the judgment against the demonic powers, right? That is why the Lord stayed the, the, the judgment, the final judgment, he, he, he didn't stay the power of believers to judge right now. You are actually called to judge by casting out devils, take authority over demons, casting out sickness and disease. And that is actually rendering judgment, right? That is actually tormenting demonic powers as we speak when we release that judgment upon demonic powers. That is your authority. That's the authority that Christ gave as he holds the keys of life and death. He has power over death. And so what lives in the realm of death? Demons. They know they're destined to be judged and sentenced to death. But until that time, they are tormented. You actually, as a, as a reconciler of men to God by baptizing them in the power of the Holy Spirit, you also get to torment demon powers by commanding them to leave, by casting them out. You are judging them guilty. You are reminding them of their coming death sentence where they will dwell in hell forever. Okay? And so, whew, that's an awesome revelation. That is an awesome, um, my God, I want to do that, right? I mean, when I got that revelation and the Lord started giving me those revelations as I prayed and fasted and he started to talk to me about what scriptures really meant versus what the false theologies taught, um, I mean, oh my gosh. I saw demons casting out, being cast out everywhere I went. And even today, when I go places, you're going to see a couple things. You're going to see people baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you're going to see depression cast out. You're going to see sickness and disease cast out. You're going to see the supernatural power of heaven released on earth. Okay, that's what being reconciled to the oracle, the voice of God, um, really gets you. That's why Jesus came. That, that's what the key of David is. The key of David is the oracle, the voice of God, that you would hear God now. He is present today to speak to you. And what's that make you? That makes you a warrior in the garden instead of a garden like a gardener like Adam, a victim of the war. You do not want to be a victim, okay? You want to you want to have a warrior mentality rendering the judgments of God against the enemies of God. And so, as I work with young Christians, young people just baptized in the Holy Ghost, one of the things that they can't wrap their mind around is, even though I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I pray in tongues, I even have visions and stuff, why do I still feel this condemnation? And I'm going to tell you, number one is, in your heart, you have to get steadfast in, in everything that I just described to you. You have to be so solid in understanding scripturally that you are set free from sin and death, that you are, you are judged uh, worthy of life according to Jesus Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit so that you can hear the oracles of the Lord. And so your prayer life becomes a very important thing. Hearing the voice of God is where strength comes from. Hearing the voice of God is where um, liberation and purpose, and who you really are, comes from, okay? The voice of God, when not heard, actually allows you to go revert back to dead religion and be a, be a victim of the voice of satanic, demonic powers, okay? Who come to kill, steal, and destroy. And so, there is no, there's only two worlds, you're either living in the kingdom realm or you're a victim to the earthly realm where the demons speak lies and whisper in your ears. And we talked last time a little bit about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. 
right? Taking thoughts captive and punishing disobedience. You have to be able to discern the lie of dead religion or what I call the law of Moses, where you, you where a person continually tries to achieve um, achieve being righteous. There is no you achieving being righteous. Jesus accomplished the achievement of being righteous. And all you can do is lay yourself down, lay your will down, and receive the freedom of the Holy Spirit. That's why you search in the night for the voice of the Lord and you live by the voice. The second thing that brings condemnation in your life is the voice of evil. And so when you, um, which comes from demonic powers, principalities, ruling spirits, generational curses, those things are actually designed to condemn you, to bring brokenness to you, to continue to force you to be a victim and struggle in brokenness, weakness, and limitation. Okay? And the, the hinge point of this is the oracle. What are, you, what are you listening to the voice of God or are you trying to achieve righteousness, which is a lie? And Paul talks about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through the book of Romans up to, from Romans 3 up to Romans 8 with a couple key scriptures um, because I think it's important for you. And this is the way I coach young people just baptized in the Holy Spirit, trying to work through the struggle of why am I baptized in the Holy Ghost? Why do I still pray in tongues? Why do I get visions? But why do I also struggle? And, I, and I'm here to tell you, you have to become a professional at discerning the voice of God and the freedom offered through the blood of Christ that basically says you're innocent, you're innocent, you're innocent. I don't care what you did. I don't care all the junk you did. It doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus is perfect. And the Father now sees you through the blood of Jesus. You're innocent. And if you can wrap your mind around the fact that you are innocent, innocent and that you are a new creature in Christ, right? Second, um, I think it's 2 Corinthians Five talks about you are made a new creature in Christ. That's actually when you are born again, you are made new. The Father sees you through the blood of Jesus that cries out, you're innocent, you're innocent, you're innocent. The judge, Jesus, the righteous judge has rendered no matter what you've done, you are not guilty. You are not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. And that revelation has to be so deep in your heart that you use it to discern the lie that is working against you. And there's always two, two lies that work against people. And um, so let's jump into Romans chapter 3, verse 21. It says, now, But now righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. And so let's just pause here. In verse 21, he says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law. What's he, what's he referencing? He's referencing, um, he's actually describing the conditions of the law. Okay? What are the conditions of the law? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. And so in the Old Testament, because they refused the voice of God in ascending the mountain, they were giving a set of conditions. What were those conditions meant to do? Those conditions ultimately, and Paul talks about this at various places throughout the, the, the book of Romans and really in the, in, you know, the, uh, the, really the New Testament, um, there's references to the reason they were given the law is because they refused to ascend to hear the voice. And the conditions were unachievable. They couldn't save you. Bringing a dead sacrifice couldn't save you. Putting enough money in the offering plate couldn't save you. Working hard enough at church can't save you. Doing everything um, to keep the church afloat when it's supposed to die can't save you. Being the only person that runs the Christmas program and requires you to be away from your family for 40 hours in the month of December doesn't save you, okay? The conditions of achievement cannot save a person. And ultimately, Paul says in the book of Romans and, and in the book of uh, Galatians, he says ultimately that 
man is to fall down on their face and realize they can't achieve the conditions. And they cry out, I need a Savior. I need the living God. I need the Messiah. Okay? That's ultimately what what the Lord gave the law of Moses for. It couldn't save. It couldn't wash the people free of their sin. It couldn't break down the wall of separation. The only thing that, there's actually two things that that do that. Jesus Christ, the perfect living sacrifice, who became sin, who knew no sin, who became a curse. And when he was hung on a tree, he took all everything that separated you from the voice of God, he took it to death. He took on death. He took on sin and death. And that's why he holds authority over sin and death. There's only one, Jesus Christ. And so when a person doesn't recognize the intent and purpose of their Savior, not to keep them bound like all these denominations that keep you bound in condemning people. Do you ever see these guys stand on the street corner with these signs saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. How many people do you ever see get saved from that? Be honest. Very few, if any, are convicted in that manner. But you send one guy to prophesy, and I've got all kinds of stories. If you if you read this new book, if you read some of my older books, I've got all kinds of stories of prophesying and seeing not only one person, but thousands of people get filled with the Holy Ghost, weep under the presence of God because of functioning in reconciliation instead of condemnation. And anybody who's functioning in condemnation is a victim because you haven't received Christ. Receiving Christ is an act of mercy. It's an act of grace. It's an act of, of the intent of the Lord to deliver you from, from brokenness, shame, uh, pain, demonic uh, devourment, and everything that separates you from God. And so when Paul's talking in, in Romans 3.21, he's distinguishing. He's, he's making you aware that there is no, there is, there, you cannot um, fulfill the commandments, Okay. You can't achieve righteousness through that. There was only one who did it. And he goes on in verse 23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. His blood is literally crying out mercy for you. He's, he's rendering judgment against the demonic powers. Uh, he's fulfilling the law and crying out to the, to the Father that you are are innocent. You're not guilty because Jesus achieved it. Okay? He goes on in uh, Romans 3, verse 27. He says, where is boasting then? There actually is no boasting for those who are in Christ because you didn't achieve nothing. All you did was receive it. The only thing you can do in Christianity is receive the gift of life. Receive the Holy Spirit and all the power and authority that comes with the Holy Spirit. That you are no longer a victim because you don't know, because you don't know the voice. He says again, so where is boasting then? Is it excluded? By what law? Of works? Meaning the conditions? Or can you boast because you achieve the conditions? No. But by the oracle. <laughs> That's what the, that's what that second they use he uses the word law twice and the English language doesn't distinguish between the two intents and and the Hebrew meanings they just throw the word law in there and it actually is confusing can, very confusing to the reader because he's actually distinguishing between two very distinct things one condemns the other gives life so he says, where's boasting then? Is it excluded by what law? Of works, meaning conditions? He says, no, by the law of the oracle, the law of faith. Where does faith come from? We've talked about this before. If you've listened to my teachings, you, man alone, cannot create faith. In Romans 10, 17, it says faith comes from rhema words. It comes from visions, dreams, impartations. What gave me the strength? to stop the school of the Spirit and say, yes, Lord, I will follow you into the unknown for this entire year of 2021. 
And little did I know the Lord was going to take me from city to city, phone call after phone call into living rooms and watch supernatural deliverances, healings and anointings and callings come upon people that never would have happened in, in churches. It never would have happened if I would have said, oh, no, I'm boasting in the fact that I that the Lord set, set me up to run a school of the Holy Spirit in Toledo. There's no boasting in anything you do. I know pastors that truly follow the Holy Spirit that woke up on a certain day and the Lord told them to give their keys to a certain man and they walked away from the church that they were called to build and poured their life into. Guess what? That church isn't yours. My ministry is not mine. My call to India is not mine. It's the Lord's. My call to build a school of the Holy Spirit in Toledo is not mine. It's the Lord's. My call to stop the school is not mine. It's the Lord's. My call to go into people's living rooms throughout the entire year of 2021 is not mine. It's the Lord's. I boast in nothing. I boast in the oracle. The only thing I know is the oracle. I, and let me rephrase that. I boast in nothing of achieving the conditions. The only thing I know is exactly what Paul said, which is, I choose to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. That's what I boast in. I boast in the one who restored my heart to hear the voice of God. And nothing I have is mine. It's the Lord's. And so when he says, stop this, I stop. When he says, do this, when he says, sell this, when he says, buy this, when he says, give this away, when he says, go to this city, I do it. That's where my life comes from. It comes from the, from the river, from the, from the flowing voice that was restored to me by the Holy Spirit. And so um, he goes on to further illustrate, Paul, Paul is trying to illustrate to the new believer in Romans chapter 4. Um, he talks about the, what distinguishes life and death. In uh, Romans 4, verse 3, he says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He believed the voice. He had a relationship with the voice. And, the, and, and Abraham is before Moses and the giving of the law. So the only thing Abraham had was when the gospel came to be preached to Abraham. That's what, that's what um, if you read Galatians 4, I think it's verse 8, 8 and 9, it says that the gospel, the real gospel, which is the voice of God, was preached to Abraham beforehand. What does that mean? It says that Abraham was visited by God himself in visions and dreams, and Abraham walked with God. He knew the voice and led him into the supernatural. And so Paul is illustrating in Romans 4 that Abraham is the model. It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt, right? He's, he's, he's illustrating that if you are under the conditions of the law, you're still dead. You think you're alive, but you're dead. You're actually dead to Christ. And actually what Paul, Paul actually illustrated what being alive was. He says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ the hope of glory in me. And that's not just some fictional understanding of scripture like dead denominations preach. When he says he's dead to sin and alive to Christ, he's actually received Christ who broke down the wall of separation and told him to come boldly to the throne of grace where he meets the Lord face to face, hears his voice through the power of his Holy Spirit and the oracle is what makes him supernatural. And so Paul's concept, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Um, over 15 times in the book of Romans, Paul says, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. I'm dead. You're supposed to be dead as you are in the likeness of his death. This is, this is uh, Romans 6. Um, he says, as you are in the likeness of his death, so too shall you be in the likeness of his resurrection. Um, if you go to Romans 4.23, he actually references the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, verse 23 says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, the Holy Spirit, who raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead who was delivered up 
because of our offenses. Okay, the word raised up is the word origio. It actually means to be raised from the dead. What did Christ have to do when he went to the cross? He had the trust that the Holy Spirit was going to raise him up out of death. So even though Christ took on sin, he still had to trust the Holy Spirit. And when he trusted the Holy Spirit, he went to hell, he took the keys of death and sin, and he was raised up by the Holy Spirit to do what? To impute that righteous ability, that righteous resurrection power to his sons and daughters, to those who no longer live according to their own desire and own will, but they lay down their will. And as Christ, who didn't, Christ, it says, it says in the book of John that Jesus had the power and authority to call down 12 legions of angels. Okay? That's hundreds and hundreds of angels. He had the ability to dominate the earth. He had the ability, get this, he had the ability but as a son, he had to lay down his will to follow the will of the Father, which is following the voice of God to the cross. Okay? And Paul's trying to illustrate here that there is no life without the cross. There is no life without you laying down your will. And so people, people actually teach authority in a very wrong position, meaning that if you are in Christ, you can do anything you want. That's actually wrong. When you are truly dead to self-will and re receiving Christ as your, as your Savior, you become like Christ, laying down your will, being raised up by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so when I talk to you about the story of, you know, and I can give you, I can give you the last 15 years of my life from the point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and I illustrated just with what the Lord told me to do, something I love to do, which is teach and impart and, and, and awaken pastors to grow in the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord actually, I had to die to myself. I had to die to the fact that I loved the school, that, that I actually moved my family to Toledo, which who in the right mind would do that, right? Um, I moved my family to Toledo, Ohio to follow the voice of the Lord. And then after a couple of years, he tells me, uh, yeah, uh, we're doing something else this year. Guess what? I had to die to my self-will and be raised up by the oracle. And Paul's saying there's no getting around it. You have to, it's no longer you who live, but Christ, the oracle, the voice of God who lives in you and through you. Okay. And so that's part of the story. You have to realize that you are raised up by the voice of the Lord, not by achieving the conditions. And so I get a lot of questions from, from believers um, about the concept of death and the concept of, you know, how do you deal with the demonic, recognizing the demonic? How do you deal with uh, these feelings of being condemned? And um, Paul, Paul actually illustrates you have to set in your mind. In Romans 7, the first 10, 10 verses, he's actually using an illustration of a woman whose husband dies and remarries. If, she, if her husband dies, which is the husband that died, is the law. The law of Moses died. If you are truly married to Christ, the law of Moses no longer lives. The marriage is no longer valid because you're married, you're in covenant with Christ, who gave you the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the oracle, you live by the oracle. You no longer live achieving the condition. You live according to the voice, the oracle, the, 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 the will of the Lord in the moment, right? And so Paul's illustrating this, and he, he says, you have to wrap your not only your heart around it, but your mind. He's, he talks in Romans 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind, you have to set your mind on recognizing, wait, that's condemnation. Oh, that's, that's evil. That, that's depression. That is not, that's not me. That's, that's the demonic powers trying to convince me that I'm still depressed. I got a question for you. If you are born again, made a new creature, how often do you have to go back 
and crucify Christ to be born again every time you say that you're depressed. Listen to me. If you are born again in Christ, it's not you that's depressed. You are made new. You either wrap your mind around that or you don't. If you wrap your mind around the fact that you are made new, that you are a new creature, then the blood of Jesus covers you and you are righteousness, peace, and joy. You are baptized in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and it is no longer Christ that, or it is no longer you that live, that Christ, but Christ that lives in you. Okay, and if that's the case, you recognize that depression, anxiety, fear, um, poverty, and every curse is demonic. And the whispering is coming just like it came in the garden. And you have to decide, are you going to be a warrior in the garden ready to fight because you are new? You have been given authority by Christ to cast out devils, raise the dead, heal the sick. And, and most importantly, in your own life, refuse to be oppressed. You have to refuse the voice of evil because if you give him the keys, just like Adam gave him the keys, he will rule the garden. What is the garden? The garden is your heart. Do you believe it or don't you? Do you believe you are born again or don't you? Do, believe, do you believe that you are made new and raised up by the oracle of God? And what I'm saying is this. When you recognize oppression coming on you, when you recognize heaviness coming on you, are you going to fight recognizing that even though you're feeling it, it's not you? You have to wrap your mind around that so profoundly that depression, anxiety, and fear is not you. That is the enemy that not only comes whispering, but it carries a demonic presence. You know, I, you know, when I get places, I have, I, I smell odor. Sometimes I smell cigarette smoke. Sometimes I feel, I smell garbage. Sometimes I smell things. Sometimes I feel oppression. Sometimes when I'm going to minister to people that I'm going to cast the devil out of, um, there's this, uh, I can hear hissing like serpents. There's, there is a presence of evil. It has a voice. It has a, it has a, a, um, a feeling. Emotions are real. Demonic emotions are real. It has a smell. Um, it's real stuff, guys. But the only way that you dominate and grow in the Holy Ghost is that no matter what, you realize he made me new. He made me new. He made me new. I'm a new creature. I'm born again. It is no longer me um, that is the, the depressed one. Depression comes from demonic powers. And that may be a hard thing for you to wrap your mind on, but it's simple. You are new and nothing evil comes from you. You are given a new heart where the Lord has written his, his law, his oracle on. He has imparted his emotion to you, righteousness, peace, and joy. And the sooner you get in prayer, people ask me all the time, why do you pray so much? You know why? Because it was the only place I could get peace and separated from demonic powers. Even though I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, I still felt evil. And when I prayed in tongues, sometimes for hours, sometimes all night, um, and the Lord would speak to me and that depression would break, that oppression would break, the feelings of condemnation would break. That's how the Lord taught me to follow his voice and, and where evil and all those feelings of evil came from. Those are demons. Okay. Those are demons. And so Paul goes on, he illustrates the struggle um, even though he illustrates the likeness of a woman no longer being married to the law, but mar being married to the oracle of God, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He goes on and he talks, he begins to talk in Romans 7, 17. He begins to talk about what it's like as a Pharisee to know scripture, but not know the Holy Spirit. And this is one of the most misunderstood scriptures in all of the New Testament. A lot of people misinterpret this and they say, well, Paul describes struggling and it's just part of the Christian walk. And well, you know, you just give in to sin. And I'm like, no, no, you missed the boat. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this and articulate Paul's description of the struggle. So, so that you can wrap your mind, your heart around this, because 
If you can't, if you don't believe you can win against sin, if you don't believe you can win against the demonic, then what's the point of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? You might as well walk away from it right now. You might as well throw it in the trash and say, this is fake. It's not real. And I'm here to tell you that it is real. And he gives you power and authority over the demonic realm for the purpose of you living holy and supernaturally in the peace and joy of Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes into great detail to describe what it was like as a Pharisee to know Scripture but not know the Holy Spirit. And he goes, and I'm going to start with verse 17. He says, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. He knew what to do. He knew what the scripture said. Do not sin. Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. He knew what it said. But continuing in, in 17, 18, 19, he says, but, but how to perform what is good I do not find. He was powerless. He realized the law was powerless. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do. He didn't want to do the evil. He says, but I practice it. I have no power over it. Now, if I do what I will to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Who conquered sin? Who conquered demons? Who conquered sin and death? Who conquered everything of the demonic kingdom? Jesus Christ, right? So if you are in Christ, you are in the victory over sin. You are in the victory over the demonic realm, okay? And so he goes on and, and he's describing that the old covenant under the law, they had a replica, right? I described the replica to you, that they sacrificed dead animals, but it was powerless. And so the evidence of still being in this struggle, or I'm sorry, not the struggle, but still being under the spell is that you are still living in, in the old covenant. You are still under the law of Moses, which is powerless to save, but it makes known to you what is righteous? Do not sin. Do not, right? All these do nots. Do, do not be covetousness. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Um, but as a Pharisee, even though they knew what the scripture said, they said they did not have a savior. They had a powerless replica of ritual, giving a dead sacrifice that could not save. Okay. So he goes on to verse uh, Romans seven twenty one. He says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God. And he's talking about conditions, the law, the conditions of the law of Moses, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Okay bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He's, 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 he's documenting, he's, conf he's uh, acknowledging powerlessness to the conditions of the law. The conditions could not save. Okay. And here, here's the issue. The struggle is indicated in the heart, still functions in the old covenant, the replica. So if you're still, if you're still struggling you're not condemned if you struggle. You're condemned if you don't revert to the oracle and say, you know what? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He did conquer sin. He did conquer death. He did conquer condemnation, which comes from the conditions. He conquered every demonic power, every feeling of heaviness, every feeling of woefulness and and lust and and all of that he conquered it all you're you're you are condemned if you stay condemned if you if you bow to the condemnation that is signified from a law that could not save but there is a law that saves that is the oracle okay and he he actually goes on in Romans 7:23 he says oh wretched man that I am who will deliver me from the body of death I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with my mind myself I serve the law the oracle but with my flesh the law of sin which is the condemnation of the law of Moses he distinguishes between the two guys 
You got to get a hold of this. He distinguishes between the life that comes from the voice of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift of Christ who conquered sin and death versus the law of sin. He goes on. He says now he's, he's talking in a revelation in Romans 8 verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, the law of the conditions and the voice of evil, but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law, the conditions of sin and death. So he's talking about the law, the oracle of the spirit of life. He says the oracle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the voice and the, and the knowing of Jesus, the one who has vengeance in his heart, who came to give mercy to you, the people, to fulfill the law and condemn the demons, condemnations. And this, this is where you have to understand authority. Satan knows that he is condemned. He is condemned to the judgment in the end. And the second coming of Christ, it's over for him. He is condemned. But if you go back to um, the revelation that's given in uh, Daniel 7 that I talked about last time, the Lord basically stayed the judgment. He says, no, no, demons, you're going to stay on earth after the cross because the sons of God are going to bring the condemnation judgment against you. They are going to cast you out. They are going to cast you out in the dry places. They are going to drive you from the people and no longer will you torment the people. They will torment you. That is the ultimate revelation of the vengeance of Christ, okay? That he saves the people. He fulfills the law of Moses. You have to understand all three. Okay, all three are important. Number one, he fulfills the law of Moses. So the law that can only condemn and reveal that you're a sinner and you need help, he, Jesus fulfills it. Jesus then fulfills, uh, he, he takes sin and curses to the grave. And he then thirdly restores the connection to the Holy Spirit that was taken from Adam in the deception of taking his authority right? So Jesus restores the authority to the believer, giving the keys, which the keys are the voice of the Holy Ghost, the oracle, where you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, dreams, visions, prophecy, words of knowledge, and they are all used to condemn sin and death, right? The story that I talked about in the last message, where I spoke to the couple, the husband and wife who had recently um, lost a baby that was in the sixth or seventh month of pregnancy, death came to steal that baby. And I prophesied to them that life, Jesus was giving them life. Even though they weren't believers, Jesus was stepping into their life to prove to them that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's restoring life to them, not to condemn them. He came to condemn the spirit of death that stole their baby. He was granting life back to them. And if you can wrap your mind around those three concepts, Jesus fulfilled the law, so no longer are you subject to be continually evicted to never achieving peace and never receiving uh, life and faith in the presence of the kingdom. He then restores to you the ability to dwell in the presence of God, the oracle, right? Restored as the sons of David, you have the key of David. All authority has been given into your hands and through the gifts of the spirit, then you render the judgment of heaven against Satan and the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. You cast them out of the people. That's rendering judgment against the people or against the, the demonic powers, setting the people free. And in your own life, when Paul says, take every thought captive, he's saying inventory. Take inventory. Is that feeling of heaviness, oppression, depression? Is that from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true oracle of God who came to give peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Ghost? He says, no, that's from your enemy who's still trying to deceive you to give them the keys that I gave you back. That's what the Lord, the Lord's like, oh my gosh, I gave you back the keys. Take the keys and cast that demon out. Cast heaviness out of your life. Cast oppression out of your life. Cast condemnation out of your life. Cast it out. And see, you guys need to literally make a, a, a war pledge. 
You have to vow that you're not just going to go through normal Christianity anymore. You've been made aware of it on how to have victory over demonic powers. You literally should inventory the top five things that you struggle with. And every day of your life, as you not only pray in tongues and see visions and dreams from the Lord, you should literally make a war plan against, if you struggle with depression, then you should be casting depression out of your life until you literally expel that demon. And if it comes back, you expel it again until it knows that it can't come back anymore. Are you with me, people? You are supposed to live and called to live a victorious life. And what I just caught, taught you is the difference between dwelling in life and the oracle of God, taking vengeance against the enemies of God versus literally being a victim of deception. Because Christ conquered sin and death on the cross, the only way that you, in hearing the story, still dwell in sin and death and powerlessness is if you give your keys to Satan and his demon powers. And that makes you a gardener in the midst of a war. Jesus didn't call you to be a gardener. He called you to be a warrior. You are actually supposed to receive wisdom, revelation, and supernatural power from the Holy Spirit in your war strategy so that you can live free. And when you learn to live free and have dominion over the demons that work to dominate you, you then are sent to living rooms, churches, cities, and nations to drive demon powers from the people. Are you with me? My God, my God. You see, a lot of you have been lied to. A lot of you are having the revelation that you thought that Christianity was just about coming to church on Sunday and having good church attendance and putting enough offering in the offering plate. <laughs> You've been lied to, dude. That's a demon theology. Um, let me tell you this. Satan is afraid of what you're about to become. Satan is trembling in his boots right now because there are people listening to me right now you struggled with depression. You struggled with oppression. You struggle, struggled with literally being crazy, hearing multiple voices in your mind all the time. And I'm here to tell you that you no longer have to put up with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for you to jumpstart you in this war-filled, war wisdom-filled warrior anointing that you would rise up a warrior, inventory your heart, Take authority over every thought of evil and depression and, and condition that you've lived under um, for, for however many years. I just, I release that grace upon you right now. I release the warrior anointing upon you right now that you are called to be a warrior in the garden and not a gardener in the war. I release the revelation that you are not condemned by Jesus Christ, that you are actually liberated by Jesus Christ. I release upon you the gift of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. In fact, right now, I breathe on you that the Holy Ghost would come upon you in power, that the judgment authority of Christ to drive demons from your life, from your children, from your family, from your husband or wife, and from the people that you ultimately will be sent to. I release that authority upon you right now to discern your enemy, to discern uh, condemnation and false judgment uh, and deception by demonic powers intended to steal your keys of authority. I break the lie that keeps sending you back to achieving, trying to achieve the conditions of the law and measuring yourself by those conditions. I shift your heart right now by faith. I shift your heart that you would be ready to receive the freedom and liberation. Yeah, of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's right. The freedom and liberation. I release freedom and liberation upon you right now that you are free by the power of the Holy Ghost sent by Jesus Christ to set the captive free, heal the brokenhearted and to release those who are bound in prison. This is the true gospel that you would be visited by the oracle in visions and dreams and that you would rise up prophesying. You would rise up uh, with words of knowledge to drive demons out of your life and the people around you. I pray, Lord, I just pray right now and I line my, my heart with, the, with those hearing this message, Lord. I, I command depression to go. I command oppression to go. I command um, lunatic type of voices to go. I command 
epilepsy. Lord, you said that the boy in Mark 9 had a spirit, a lunatic spirit that caused epilepsy, caused him to foam at the mouth, caused autism, Lord. I break that lie. Anybody who's listening to me who struggles with that, I break that multiple voice um, confusion that's released by demonic powers. I break it. I command it to go. I command every evil demonic power that's working in the hearts of the people right now, come out, come out, come out in the name of Jesus. I take authority over generational curses that have kept you bound and unable to hear the oracle. I prophesy over you that you will hear the voice of God, that the oracle will lead you through life and make you supernatural. You will become a son uh, and a daughter of God that is so supernatural that the demons will fear you coming. Just like the anointing that grew on Samuel, um, that when he went into the cities, it says that the elders feared at the coming of Samuel because of the judgment that he brought to that city. So shall you walk in that authority of Christ that will bring judgment upon the enemies of God, upon every demonic power that tries to whisper in your ear, your children's ear, your husband or wife's ear, um, your extended family's ear, your church's ear, your city's ear. You will be able to discern and sniff out evil because you are so in love with the freedom and the accomplishment of Christ who broke down that middle wall of separation and brought you close to the voice of God. He brought you close. There is no more sin, no more separation. That's what sin is, guys. Sin is actually not the act of, of lying. And, and th th those, that's the fruit of sin. The presence of sin is separation, meaning that you're separated from the oracle. You're separated from the Holy Spirit. And that's a lie because Jesus accomplished by his blood and draws you close to the presence of God because the Father no longer looks at you to condemn you. He sees you through the blood. He sees you innocent and free. And I just release that revelation freedom. I release the spirit of the true understanding of the blood of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit to put the keys of power and authority back in your hand. I release that right now in the name of Jesus. And I prophesy over you that you are rising up a hunter to hunt down every generational curse that has worked to deceive you, keep you in poverty, make you crazy, make you a proud man. All the lies that have, that have taken you to depend on anything else other than the oracle of God, I decree over you that you will walk in the freedom of Christ in the days following. In Jesus' name. All right, guys, have a good week. Uh, we'll see you next week uh, with part four. And uh, I'm just really excited about this. The Lord is just doing so many supernatural things. I'm getting, uh, you know, just more phone calls, more living room events that we're having planned. If you have any unction in your heart that, hey, man, I'd love to do this, give me a call because, man, the Lord is just doing crazy supernatural things in this season with people that he's awakening in living rooms. Um, not, not in traditional synagogues, so to speak, not in traditional places, but in the unusual place, because all they experience is not achievement of conditions. They experience the supernatural voice of the Holy Spirit. So have a good week, guys. Pray in the Holy Ghost, pray vehemently in the Holy Ghost and attack the demonic powers that are hunting you down in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org, D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G, or fivestoneministries.org. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book entitled Wisdom-Filled Warriors, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.